Well, good morning. Uh, notice that was plural. Uh, as you can see before you, speakers is uh, maybe a little larger number than usual, but I just want to teach, right? Yeah, right, right. So just if you had lunch plans, you might want to push those back a little bit. Um, <laughs> right, right. Uh, so anyway, I just want to welcome you all, welcome our friends that are watching online, and I just want to kind of give you a, a broad picture of what we're doing this morning, and then here in just a second, I'm going to have them each introduce themselves. I'll probably start down there with you, Dale, and then just work our way this way. But we had the opportunity um, to have all of our missions partners uh, here on the same day. So I'm really excited for this sort of a little bit unorthodox, but I thought if we could have everybody here under one roof, well, actually, we probably don't want all five of them to, you know, preach a sermon. Um, But basically what we're going to do this morning is we're just going to kind of have a conversation in front of you. So I'm going to help guide that. I'm going to be asking them some questions and we'll get to hear some stories and some highlights and things um, as we go. And so to start that off, I'm going to let each uh, one just kind of introduce them. You may already know them, but for those of you who may not, I want you to know who they are and what ministry they represent. So go ahead, Dale. Uh, Hi. (laughs) I'm the oddball, I think, up here. Um, Anyway, Dale Heinold, you guys all know me. I'm here. They may not know me as well, actually. Um, So my day job's full-time at Midland School District. Um, what you may not know is for 10 years now, we've operated a ministry uh, called Lamb Chow. It's a publishing ministry, um, mostly has grown into impacting uh, mostly Africa. If you look at my top 10 list uh, outside of the Netherlands, which I don't understand that one except for maybe VPN, um, and the Philippines, they're all other African countries. So um, basically what we do is publish uh, online, free to whoever gets there. Uh, Bible studies, and three times a week we publish out a devotional article, and you know basically folks connect with us that way, and then we do prayer requests and other things. But that's uh, that's basically what Lamb Chow is about in a really short nutshell. All right, we are Anna and Stephen Price, and we're Vineyard missionaries in Latin America. We just finished a 10-year time uh, in Zacatecas, Mexico, where we planted two churches, and um, we're gonna we're here on a furlough year in Illinois, and then next summer we will go back to Mexico to a new city. So I'll talk about that. So the plan is then in 2024 we will go to Guadalajara. You might be asking why Guadalajara. Well, I like to say that Guadalajara is the New York City of Mexico. Population between 10 and 12 million people. Um, so we're going to be going back uh, with the idea of starting um, probably not just one church, multiple churches, because it's such a big location. Uh, we really feel like God's calling us to do what's called uh, gospel saturation. So we're trying to reach uh, as many people as we can uh, with the message and love of Jesus throughout uh, the Guadalajara and its uh We would call it boroughs to make it look like uh, New York City, Uh, but they have like four different larger cities that make the Guadalajara metropolitan area. Okay. Um, Yeah, we're Jim and Vicki Egley, and we we work primarily in uh, French-speaking Muslim West Africa. You're going to share that. Mm -hmm. Yes. But then we we have another like 
gig that we do that's the other half of our job. <laughs> so sorry, somehow we had figured out how we were going to do this, but um, yeah. So part the part of our job that's kind of the most fun to talk about is is that we get to go to West West Africa in the French speaking areas that are mostly Muslim. And so what we do there is we help equip nationals to do their own disciple-making and church planting. So how do we do that? Well, it's, we say it's French-speaking West Africa, but that basically just means that those governments are run in French. It doesn't mean that all the people speak French. In fact, they speak like hundreds of different indigenous languages, and most of those languages, they only speak they don't write. There's, there's never been an alphabet created. There's, there's no way they could learn to read and write that language. And so if you think about that, what does that mean for Bible translation? Well, there's not Bibles in most of those languages. So we came across, a few years ago, we came across some people who were recording just the key Bible stories of you know, kind of from creation to Christ, it was called, to give people an idea, who, who is God? How has he revealed himself to people? And so we, we've partnered with some others to help people just get these key Bible stories translated from a language they do know that has the Bible in it to their own language that they can share then uh, the good news of Jesus with those around them. So they have these Bible stories and then some discussion questions that help them really know how to disciple people. Yeah, but because they can't read, the Bible stories, we're recording them and putting them on MP3 players for them. And we also have an Android phone app because they may not have electricity or plumbing or even an outhouse, but somebody in the family has a cell phone. Um, so anyway, that's that's a big part of our job. The other part is we, um, we live here in Illinois and... When we're here, uh, our primary responsibility is writing training that our ministry and other missions use, and also increasingly churches in the United States are like, how do we make disciples that make disciples? So we're curriculum developers. Yeah, and it's kind of fun because in those ways, Stephen and Anna's and our ministries kind of intersect. Yeah, we, so it's been we fun. take some of their training resources and translate it to Spanish and use it in Spanish. So... Yeah, we kind of tag team, and they've connected us to other people in Latin America. So that's why we don't just say Mexico anymore, because uh, connecting with the Eglis, we actually are now in like 10 or 15 different countries in Latin America, and more coming soon. And you guys are also coaching several people in other locations. Yeah, Venezuela, Colombia, Bolivia, uh, Cuba, uh, just some of the countries that we are working in, yeah. Right. So now... You got all that straight? We're going to quiz you later on who does what where. Okay. Oh, now see, we got, so Tammy's down here taking notes, so she, she can probably recall. Justo después hay un examen, entonces tienen que recordar todo, ¿sí? So, now if you have more specific questions, I want to go ahead and mention this now so I don't forget at the end. Um, we've asked them all to hang out for a few minutes out in the cafe after the service. So as we go through, if you just, oh, I wonder more, you know, I don't, I don't get how that works, or, or maybe there's a question that doesn't get asked, we would love for you to be able to connect. But I would just kind of give you that overview because all three of these ministries, because of your generosity, we support on a monthly basis with financial support. 
because that's a way that we as a body are fulfilling the great commission you know that we're doing things locally but and you remember we talked about this a few weeks ago when it says you know jerusalem and judea and samaria and the ends of the earth it's not like progressive it's not like one and then as you get a little bit bigger and you have more it's and we're supposed to do those things simultaneously so we want to reach those uh, that we're connected to we want to reach those in our own uh, region who look different than us cross cultural lines in our own uh, place but then also through partnerships touch places all over the globe and that's what i thought was so cool about getting to have this conversation with everybody all under one roof because this is a representation of places all over the globe where the kingdom is being multiplied um so I want to turn our conversation now for a minute um, to talking a little bit about, because I think this is important um, for those of us that are not involved with this type of work. I think, you know, well, that, that's for those, those special people, uh, you know, and, and it is a special call. It, it is a specific call that the Lord sets certain people aside and sends them on mission. But we're all invited to participate in mission at some level. I thought it would be interesting to hear from some of our friends today about going back to the beginning, like where all stories should start. And so if a couple of you uh, want to share, have thought about this, I'd love for you to talk to us a minute about some of the experience of when you first begin to feel the call to this particular type of, of ministry and mission, because it is different than maybe what all of us are called to. So who wants to jump in on, on that and just tell us a little bit about that experience of first feeling called to mission? I think the quick story that comes to my mind, I'll share, was not the beginning beginning, but like our beginning for Guadalajara, because I think it's something that's real tangible and relatable. So I went a couple of years ago on a, uh, a visit to explore the city of Guadalajara, and I needed to get a haircut. Pretty practical thing to do. Um, hair's getting a little long and shaggy, so I was like, I'll go get a cut. And I was thinking of going to a specific uh, place to get it cut that looked a little nicer than the one that the Lord actually ended up sending me to. Um, and I'll explain why he sent me to get my hair cut at a specific place. And I think that's kind of how it is for most missionaries. Our lives are guided by the Holy Spirit the whole time. Uh, it may seem silly. It may seem like, what? What do you mean? Guided by the Holy Spirit. I tried to get my haircut at a different place, and everything I tried to do to get me there, it was not happening. They actually closed before I was even able to get there. So I had to reroute to another location, and the Holy Spirit was like, you're going to get your haircut here. So I went there, and as per usual in Mexico, being very different with my skin color, uh, the lady that was cutting my hair was like, well, why, do you, why are you here in Guadalajara? And I said, well, I'm going to be moving here with my family. Okay, why are you wanting to do that? Like, why is a white family wanting to move to this part of Mexico? And I said, well, you know, um, I'm thinking about moving our family here, wanting to buy a house. Where do you recommend I live? And she goes, okay, well, why don't we ask the owner of the barber shop where she would recommend you guys live? And I was like, that's an interesting question, mm -hmm. an in interesting situation. And she's like, well, okay, this is a great neighborhood. Well, why do Americans want to move here? Why do you want to live in this city? And I said, okay, look. I just felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, just say it. I'm a pastor. We're going to, you know, plant a church here and blah, blah, blah. And she just starts to 
open up about her Christian experience, how she's been involved in a ministry that does a lot of prophecy and hands-on praying, and then another guy getting his hair cut goes, well, I go to a larger church here in town, but tell me more about what you guys are doing, because what you guys are doing is making disciples, and that's the Great Commission, and I want to be involved in something that's going to make believers follow Jesus, not just go to a service. All of that to say, God really showed me there is a need and a hunger. You can have a lot of churches in the area and not really be reaching people. Because a lot of times what we think is if you have a building, you have a place, people are going to come to it. But reality is a lot of people are not going to show up somewhere they don't know. And so they have to have a connection point. They have to have someone that's going to be with them. And real quick, within five minutes of me sharing that, I probably could have started a church in that barbershop. Uh, no joke. Because, you know, and I always had a word of prophecy over another guy that was just a rough character who also cut hair. I mean, just on and on and on. And I think it's just really being tuned into who the Holy Spirit is and what he's doing. And that's really what kind of is showing us why we want to go to Guadalajara. Yeah. So, so. Uh, help me out a little bit with the timeline, because I'm I'm curious how far into the sort of feeling confirmed of that calling of this is kind of our next assignment did this story take place? It's about two years ago that that okay. took place. We've been in Zacatecas for 10 years now, um, and we really felt like God was calling us to a new location uh, where there aren't any vineyards in established. Right. Um, two of the largest cities in Mexico, Monterrey and Guadalajara, both don't have vineyards. Um, and so I was like, well, Monterrey is great, but it's too close to the border. So I'd rather go a little further in and it's, it's a beautiful city. Yeah. And so that's part of it. Just you have attraction, a love for the city that just kind of happens. So you, if I remember right, you were there on sort of an exploratory trip. Just a weekend. Okay. Right. Um, we're talking like all of this took place in an afternoon. Yeah. So I'm also thinking like, as I'm hearing that story again, there, there's this connection between that idea of seeing what the Father is doing, like you're seeing, like, this is what's happening now in front of me, right. and then seeing how that oftentimes connects to, to our calling, to the thing that Jesus is asking us to do. And I think that's, the, that's another takeaway. You know, a lot of times we're just like, well, I'm just getting my hair cut, or I'm just buying my groceries, or I'm just dropping my kids off at school, or I'm getting a cup of coffee. But those are all opportunities for us to say yes to Jesus and interact with those people. You know, being intentional. Right. Uh, if you see somebody, pray for them. You know, hey, you look like you're having a down day. How can I pray for you? Right. You know, or you look like you're having a great day. Thanks for your encouragement to me. You know, just living life with people. Yeah. So, Dale, can I loop you into this? Because I know you have a little bit of a story about how you got started or kind of the beginning that, to be honest, it's a really, really long story. Well, I get that. But. Okay. So the very beginnings go all the way back to the church that I grew up in. Um, and a missionary from Africa, Levi Keitel, did one of their things. Betty's telling me to put my mic up closer because I'm not used to doing this. Manny will be happy about that part. Um, and he did a sermon on Isaiah 6 and who am I going to send. And I can remember I was a little dude. And it was kind of like, yeah, that sounds, but I'm not sure. And, you know, it, it tugged and it held. And it took, the, basically for me, it wasn't like, this is your lifetime call, this is what you're going to go do. It was more like, yeah, I got, I'm just going to serve God as I know, and this is what he led me to. This is where we ended up at. Um, so I kind of take the question a little bit different in that mm -hmm. 
because I tell the folks that uh, write to me that what I don't know how many times I struggled with it, and I've got readers who struggle with it too, is what's my big call, Lord? What am I supposed to be doing? What's this gigantic thing that I'm supposed to be doing for you? And it took a long time and a lot of missteps, but kind of learned, don't worry about it. Um, so what I tell my folks is you don't have to worry about having all of this stuff or even an education or a theology degree or anything else, uh, although those things are all good. But I basically boil it down to this. Do what you can where you're at with what you have. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, then who knows what comes next? Because Lamb Chow didn't even start as a mission field. It started just as a way for me to put some stuff out on the web and say, hey, I kind of like writing and let me share my stuff. And then some doors started opening up in Africa and then we started pursuing that with Google ads and stuff. And now we're, uh, we're over, what, 200,000 uh, Bible studies published and I call them seeds, uh, a million seeds. Our current mailing list is like 4,000, 5,000. So, and I call that... I always trim it down because I can't afford to keep it up, just anybody who ever signs up. But it's a, it was for, and I guess the other thing I would add is, don't think you have to have this figured out in your youth. If you could be sitting here today and almost retired or retired, and God could open up a door and you could go do something that is your next thing. So yeah. it's, there is no end to this. And what, what I love about your story deal, too, is it it was those simple, you know, it didn't start out with, you know, covering the whiteboard with my grand strategic vision, and this is how I'm going to take the world for Christ. It was just simple yeses, pursuing a desire that you had for writing, and, it, and what I call like it's just a long obedience in the same direction. You just kept saying yes, kept planting those seeds. And uh, thank, I was going to ask if you didn't bring up some of the numbers just to touch on that, because I think we don't realize oftentimes how much impact uh, this seemingly small ministry because like there's no big staff you know it, it, it's me and my armchair and my macbook <laughs> right but the number of of people that are touched through those things is actually pretty astounding. yeah i can get the the real numbers because i did them off the top of my head um bible studies that's we have two major ones that we advertise forgiveness and hope and then some others we have in the 10 years done eighty five thousand um distributed uh, those are just free downloads or email lists that we send out. Um, of all the devotionals that we've emailed out, I can verify through the different reports that about a half a million have been accessed, opened, read in some way. Um, and then we started doing prayer requests eight years ago or so, and those filter in on a regular basis, and we've responded or in some way interacted with those folks about 4,700-odd times. Now, a lot of times it's just they send a prayer, we say a prayer, we basically say, hey, we got your prayer, because to handwrite all those back out, would, I don't have that much time. <laughs> <laughs> right. You would need a staff to do that. Yeah. Um, so anyway, and yep. that's, that's basically what, we, what the numbers look like. So, Great. And like I said, it's most of sub-Sahara Africa. English, I, we advertise towards English speaking, but those that are, have English as their official language but it's leaking out. Ethiopia is becoming in. I've got a pastor in Sierra Leone that is beginning to contact me, and we're actually I'm asking him to write an article for us just to get some other voices. So it's interesting what doors get opened and interesting things. Yeah, that's right. Always exciting. 
You guys have anything you want to share before I move on to the next question? Um, no. no. All right. So I, I, part of what I hope you're, you're seeing, too, is, you know, I know for me growing up, like when you think of missions, you might think in a very strict context of, you know, someone that has to go, you know, live in a hut in the rainforest or something like this, you know, and, and, and that's, that's, well, yeah, that might actually be kind of cool. Uh, <laughs> You know, but not long term without internet. That's well, kind of sure, <laughs> sure. Um, and while, like, we do need people to go to all different kinds of places, I hope what you see is that I, there's a broader context. It's about uh, it's about the kingdom. It's the same thing we're about here in, in a local context. But there's actually lots of different, unique, and creative ways that we can partner with that. Now, I want to kind of take our conversation. Uh, this direction for a moment, um, especially for those of you who have been on on the field at different times, uh, what have because of this call, this sort of special call that I am going to go, uh, and what have been some of the sacrifices that you've had to make uh, in order to be able to say yes, in order to do the things that you've done? Because um, I don't want to I don't want to over glamorize it, right? <laughs> Easy for me to say, right? The, the um, people don't probably guess this, and you guys could, could disagree or agree with me, but the, the hardest thing about being a missionary is you have to go ask people to support you. Uh, because when you're a pastor, I was a pastor for 20, 30 years, and when you're a pastor, you know, you pass the offering plate, and you're good. But when you're a missionary, uh, you've got to, like, go ask. Like, we met with 100 friends in 100 days. Uh, Bob and Janet Shimon were the 100th couple we met with. <laughs> Do you remember that, Bob? And um, and uh, and just like, hey, this is what God's called us to. Would you uh, help us do this? And I don't know, it shouldn't be hard because it's kind of fun when you sit down with people, but making the phone calls is really hard somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, there's a lot of little sacrifices, um, and there's there's big ones too. But, you know, and this was kind of actually the question that stood out to me in terms of, how would I answer this question? And now I have the mic in my hand, you know. Uh, <laughs> I would say, though, every sacrifice we've made, the Father has provided in the moment what we needed. Like, in some ways, I've sacrificed some of the safety of my family. But in the moment I needed protection, the Father was there, you know, mm -hmm. and we're here today. So <laughs> the moment I needed provision, I might have wanted it earlier, but God provided it, <laughs> you know, in the moment I needed it. So there are a lot of sacrifices, for sure. Um, at the same time, we also said, like, Matthew, what are you doing? Trying to not, you know, get people to be missionaries? Right. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, well, so now you're segueing perfectly into the next question, okay. though. Right, right, right. How have you seen the kingdom at work? Yeah. Uh, how have we seen the kingdom at work? I would say, you know, for as many times as we've sacrificed, especially uh, time, money, resources, energy, you know, 
we've always come back with a, that was incredibly worth it. You know, especially time spent with people when we were tired, when maybe uh, we sacrificed some of our time with our kids or whatever it may be. It was incredibly worth it. Um, I tell that Ulysses. So you've, if you follow us on Facebook, you've probably seen recently a photo of me with a young lad that were painting the church. That was the first time we painted it. We've done it like four or five times. I just changed my mind too much. So I changed the, the colors on the walls. Hey. But this kid I was trying to invest in and spend some time with, uh, his name's Ulysses, and um, we're in a very rough neighborhood. Um, when we started our youth group, we started our youth group based on the fact that teen pregnancy is very high and real. Um, and at the end of our first youth group, uh, the kids that had just finished in youth group at the hour of eight or nine o'clock, which is pretty dark in our neighborhood and pretty late for these people, um, were picking up beers either for the dad or for themselves. And I thought, you know what? We probably need to start a youth group that really is going to impact this age range. Uh, and actually, the winter before COVID, I felt like the Lord was really pressing on my heart to push in and connect with our youth, that they're the future leaders of our church. Um, and so we actually started doing like Sockham, and I just had youth at my table. And one of these guys was the same kid, Ulysses. He's just a, he's a leader. You know, uh, kids in our community will come and hang out with him. He's connected to a ragtag group of people, if you will. Um, about a couple of years ago, he started really being involved with this group of people. And drugs are pretty high in our community. Uh, meth, cocaine, um, that sort of thing. Marijuana, if you're looking for it, it's easy to find. Uh, we were hoping that it was just marijuana. But when we started hearing about the light bulbs that were burnt out or not working and the drastic mood swings... Uh, from his mother, who is one of our senior pastors that we handed the church over to, uh, we decided, you know what, there's something that's really going on here that's not right. Uh, you know, this kid, real happy. I mean, just joy. But at this stage of his life was really kind of depressed. Not exactly the happy Ulysses that, you know, you could see in the photo of us painting the church together. Um, so tried to do an intervention with him and his brother to try and really show him that we love him, that we care. And we, with his mom, felt like it was best if he could actually get uh, admitted to uh, um, treatment. There we go. Uh, so that he could get some of this stuff worked out. Uh, so it was a bit of a cost. It was a bit of a sacrifice. But we really felt like, you know what, uh, these are the costs that you need to you pay for to help a kid and his mom. Uh, you know, a single mom with three kids uh, to help because that's just a practical need that we need to do. So we did that. We helped him uh, to where now he's actually, like, going to probably be one of our youth pastors. Um, back all those years ago when he was 12 and we were painting the church, the Lord told me he's going to be the senior pastor one day of our church. You know, so we see this trajectory where the enemy is wanting to influence but we have to continue uh, fighting for uh, the victory and lives of those around us. And with this kid in particular, you know, he came back and there was the joy. There was the life that we saw uh, in his eyes again. And his mom was like, it's day and night. He's eating. He's healthy. He's, he's the kid that I know and love. I always loved, but 
can see that that's who God's called and created him to be. Yeah. Awesome. I love that story. And it's part of that, again, see, seeing what the Father's doing, it would have been much more convenient to oh, yeah. not get yourself involved in that situation. But again, like seeing what the Father is doing, knowing you have that, that sort of word from the Lord about this kid's future. Well, and, and in yes our area, that. I mean, I'm not going to touch in, not going into it uh, too specifically because it is a very uh, touchy situation. But in our community, I mean, depending on who you buy from can end up uh, ending your life. Uh, it's, it's a serious ordeal. Um, so in our situation, for us to get involved does put us at risk, but we've not had any issues ourselves because, you know, as she said, God's with us, and that's our protection. You know, we do what he's called us to do. There's no other place I'd rather be, honestly, yeah. than in his, in his will and in his hands. Yeah. You guys have any kingdom at work stories or things to share? Yeah, it's just fun to think, oh, but Lord, what's going to be encouraging to the people here? So just you're saying that um, reminded me. So we're trying to, you know, do this Bible translation for people who don't, you know, read and write and and who there aren't Christians yet in their in their uh, people group. So the vineyard started working among a people group where there were like no known Christians, no churches in like these 90 villages. And so, well, who are you going to get to help you with Bible translation? Well, you're just going to have to find people who aren't Christians, that are willing to help you, right? So through that, we met this young man, Papuste, and you know, he came and he, he saw the interaction of the team that was heading the Bible translation. And he said, I've, I've never been in a group like this before. I've never seen people treat each other like this before. And he was the youngest person in the room, and we would ask his opinion, and we would listen to him, and he said, I've never been treated like this before. And so it took a, uh, took a few years, but through the, the Christians who were around him, just a few, because, again, there's not, you know, someone else from a different language group had come to his area to share the good news. And just through the friendship with this guy, um, to see him finally give his life to Christ and then figure out, okay, how do I share this with my Muslim family and, you know, just uh, people around him. So that's, that's cool. And then if I could just share one other, too. Um, Oh, you, you do. No, 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 I'm just going to, um, he had a, his, um, he has a baby girl now who was born, when was she born? A few months ago. A few months ago, and her name is Vicky. Oh. I just wanted to share that. Uh. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Right, yeah, right. yeah, so it's, yeah, it's very sweet. Um, but, yeah, we love to see, we've prayed for people and seen healings. It's been a lot of fun to see that. But for me, I, I have this bit in my heart. I know God wants to heal people to show he's real. But I know they're going to get sick again. Mm-hmm. And so as much as I love healings, it's like what I really want, like to see are lives transformed. You know, like Ulysses come out. And, and so um, once when we were just starting training in an area, uh, again, we asked people, what do you want prayer for? And one of the new Christians said, well, I... Make plenty. A young man said, "I make plenty of money, but I spend it all on alcohol, and I would really like to be free from that." And so, you know, if we were here, we'd say, you know, get, we'd pray for him, and then say, get involved in AA or, or you know, something. So, yeah. So Jim, Jim just prayed over him, you know, 
asking for the Lord's deliverance from alcohol. And then, fortunately, two years later, we met up with him again, and he's like, I've been free from alcohol for these past two years. Yeah, Yeah. so just to see God do things like that is just really cool. And can I just share one more quick story? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I mean, so so we, we pray for things that are totally different sometimes than what we would pray for here. So you're going to these remote villages, right? And there's this one place they show us their coffee um, crop that they've harvested. And they said, look at our road. We don't have a good way to get the coffee to the market. Mm-hmm. All we have is this motorcycle trail that we had come up and just imagining getting all that coffee down this motorcycle trail. And they said, pray that we would get a good road. And we're like, why would the government come out here and put a road into this village? It's like in the middle of nowhere. We did not say that. We did not say that. But we said, Lord, you know, we prayed out loud for them. Lord, you see their need. Please move on the government to make a road here for them. And we came back the next year, and the people said, look at this is the road. And we were like, what? <laughs> you know, it was just amazing. So yeah. that, was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And I think that's kind Beautiful. of a, that, yeah. just hearing your stories reminded me of when we go to the Weechul Village, which is an indigenous people group that we've also planted a church in. Um, and a lot of times that's a sacrifice. I mean, we're talking like three to four hours on non-paved roads. I mean, because you can only go 20 miles per hour because of the rocks being that rough. And it feels fast, but I promise you it's not. Um, and we're only talking 120 miles, but I literally it takes me that long to get there because uh, you can't go that fast. Um, but taking the sacrifice of getting up there, uh, doing a baptism service up there they've never seen before, you know, it's such a weird thing of saying, hey, you're going to get in this tub with all your clothes on, and I'm going to dunk you. And, it'll make God happy. and it's going to make God happy. <laughs> you know, it's really confusing. I mean, you never, you never think. When you're studying about going to baptize people, that's ever a thing. <laughs> and they asked, like, in the moment, the they said, do I take my shoes off or leave them on? And I'm like, God doesn't care. You know, whatever you right. want. <laughs> but we, we ended up getting to the point where, w- with other missionaries, we've invested in the lives of these people that they're starting to take ownership. That the church is actually established there. So for about the past year now, we've only been going every, we had only been going every other month, but we would stay for, you know, we'd stay the night. Um, now you're like, stay the night? Okay, that sounds great. Now, you remember we were talking about the hut in the Amazon? Well, it's kind of like that. I mean, in it's in the desert, so it's not the Amazon, but we're up in the middle of the mountains, and when you have to go to the bathroom, uh, you kind of go where the mountain starts go down a little bit. Don't go too far or you'll fall. But you just kind of have to go down a little bit to go to the bathroom. You know, when, when you go camping with the buddies and you need to go to the bathroom, you don't think anything about it. But all of a sudden, you're doing the same thing for Jesus. You're like, man, actually, we were on our way here, and we were thinking about these questions. And I actually started to tear up a little bit. Because I think that's the thing, is God changes your heart. You start to go, I miss those interactions. I miss being with those people because it's not a sacrifice. You know what I mean? I, 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 you would say it's a sacrifice, but it's not. Because to me, it's a joy mm-hmm. to go where there's no toilet. Even though they actually, this is the crazy part. They value us so much, they put in a, a shower. They put in a toilet. Wow. No running water yet. But we're getting there. But the thing is, we've spent so much time investing in them that we're seeing the kingdom of God that 
in this community, I, I kind of want to paint a quick picture of this community that we've that you've been partnering with, that we've been doing while we're there. Um, went from kids literally in fistfights, you know, just because. That was a cultural thing. They just would beat each other up. They'd throw rocks at each other. I mean, just, like, imagine a kid with a baseball. That's a rock, and they're just going to chuck it at his friend's head. And that's for fun. To the parents saying, our kids aren't beating each other up anymore. You know, peace has entered this community. To uh, a guy who's now the senior pastor over this village saying, drinking and getting drunk, watching us come in saying, I'm never going to go into those meetings. I'm never going to be a Christian. To now he's a pastor. You know, and just last weekend, baptized people. You know what I mean? Like, totally just because we've gone in and said, you know what, you're worth it. You're important. You matter. God loves you so much. To, they're currently just, what, within the past few weeks, uh, one of their cousins donated land for a church building. You know what I mean? And in this part of the country, if no one donates the land, it's not happening. There is persecution within the Weechol people. Uh, you go about an hour into another village, and we would all be arrested because we're Christians. I mean, that's how drastic it is. Uh, and this is in Mexico. You know, we've had Christians get run off, lives threatened, thrown in jail just because they love Jesus. So it's worth the cost. It's worth the sacrifice because the joy that you have, the reward that we get, it's just yeah. – I don't even I don't even think of myself as a missionary, honestly. Yeah. I'm like, no, Jim and Vicky, they're the missionaries. Yeah. <laughs> well, Not me. P- part, of, part of what I hear you saying there, Stephen, is, is what looks like sacrifice – doesn't feel that way when it's coupled with that call. Exactly. Because when God calls you, he, he gives you a special grace. Mm-hmm. He, he changes your heart. He like... It, it, he brings the fruit. Yeah, and he brings the fruit. Uh, also, it's very humbling because, mm-hmm. when, if, especially if you're working in the Muslim area, yeah, or the Weechol, the, the cost that the... Africans pay is much higher than the cost that we pay. But well, didn't you guys just have a church get yeah, we just, destroyed? Like two weeks ago, you know, there's this pastor, David and Esther, you know, they're our friends. Um, so they're, we're renting a big house, and it's the church and their house in this village. They're renting it. And, um, you know, somebody jumped over the wall. Some youth jumped over the wall, broke all the windows in their home, the Muslim area destroyed the church's sound system and you know their personal belongings and uh, the pastor they have three girls the daughters weren't there the wife wasn't there but the pastor jumped he himself jumped over the fence to get away from them jumped over the wall to get away from them Um, and you know it's very common for people to tell us when I came to Christ my family wouldn't speak to me for 25 years or people people told the other people in the town don't go to their store anymore so i lost my business and so we're just hum- i mean we take cold showers for a week or something um but you know they're like they've paid just incredible sac- they made incredible sacrifices for jesus to and then to go and share the gospel mm-hmm. um is just inviting more more persecution. Yeah. Oh, before I move on to my wrap up, do you have any how you're seeing the kingdom at work? 
Uh, mine's a little different because it's where these are fruit ministry. I'm a seed ministry. Right. So right. Um, my because it's I send out stuff to readers. I maybe get a picture every now and again, but I don't really know them. You know, I right. know a few of them. I got a few that write regularly, and I kind of know them a little bit better. There's a there's an older lady in South Africa, and there's a couple other names that I remember. Um, but for me in the kingdom, I'm going to use my Apple thing. This God showed me this little piece a long time ago. Believe it or not, at uh, Silver Dollar City, there was a sign, and the sign said, "And Betty's giving me direction again." <laughs> so basically, how many seeds are in here? Anybody know? So if I cut it sideways, you're going to see a star. Or there's five seeds. Okay. Here's the big answer. How many apples are in a seed? Start thinking about that. That'll blow your mind. Only God knows how many apples are, are in that seed. And so in every article and every devotion and every encounter that these folks have, you don't know the seeds that are going to come out of that. And so even though there's process and uh, progression in the kingdom, even we don't see the end results of all of it this side of heaven. One of these days we'll maybe find out. But that's right. At least that's my thing. And most of my ministry is just that. I'm going to put this stuff out. Hopefully somebody gets something out of it. Well, and, and you're, you're a great example. I heard this phrase several years ago. But oftentimes we underestimate in the kingdom how the fruit of your labors often grows on other people's trees. Mm-hmm. And so, like, we don't need to dis- diminish the importance of planting those seeds even if we're not the one that harvests it. Now, these stories are great. When we get to, but you know, that's not always the case. You don't always get to see the fruits of your labor, um, but it's all needed. It's all needed. Um, I have one more uh, quick question before uh, we completely wrap up. Uh, if just one or two just want to share for just a second. So where my mind is going now is if if there are those that are are asking those questions, well, maybe I've never thought about it in a creative way. Maybe I feel some sort of draw or call to be involved with missions in some way or at some level. Um, I wonder if you guys have anything that you feel just to share a sort of, how do you begin to discern a call to, to be involved in this kind of work? Um, and like I said, at, at whatever level. Uh, but I just wonder, you know, if someone were to come up and ask you, you know, hey, I... I I, first, I feel something in my heart. I, I feel like hooked by this, but I, I don't know what to do with it. H- how would you sort of help someone get started in, in thinking through, praying through, processing that call? So uh, for six years, it was my job to, like, prepare missionaries and church planners as a leadership pastor. He taught us how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's what they said. Just, just ask Jim. Yeah. That's a short answer. So, um, you know, I was... If somebody says, I feel called to be a missionary, I always like, have you been on a short-term trip? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's surprising. A lot of times people say no. Um, so, like, going on a short-term trip will clarify a lot of things. And then the other thing is then when people are like, okay, yeah, I feel called, I'm like, um, there are lots of cross-cultural ministry opportunities right here, right here in your community and um, just you just start practicing. Just start. You feel called to China? Just you can start learning Chinese. And there's Chinese people here, or there's Guatemalans here, or there's, you know, uh, I mean, we just live in a very diverse um, context now. Um, 
and there's lots of opportunities now. So just start doing it. The other thing um, is just like start a small group because, uh, you know, if you're going to lead dozens and hundreds of people in the future, lead five or six now, you know, help them grow spiritually, help them and then start another small group out of that small group because that actually gives you the basic ministry skills to be a, a leader and then a leader of leaders. Yeah. Good. Anybody else want to jump in on that? If not, I'm, I'm ready to move on. All right. So we may, And we may touch on that more. We'll see what the Spirit wants to do in ministry time. But if you're, you feel like, I don't, you know, I don't feel to like move across the world, but I don't know, something is, something is stirring in me. Just hold on to that. Pay attention to that through worship, and we'll, we'll uh, maybe pray into that during ministry time. So I want to end, let's just go in order this time. I want you to just give people a quick, how do they uh, connect with you, follow your story, support you? Um, just give us a, a short tidbit. I'm, we'll just start down here with you, Jim. And, okay. And yeah, first of all, just thank you. We very much appreciate this church's support. And we, if you want to be part of our prayer, um, get our prayer letters. And, you know, you could pray regular daily or you can just pray the six or seven times a year when you get the email that's all of it is very helpful but i think we have a qr code is it yeah you guys it, can throw that up or you can get it from us after the service too oh there it is you can oh, just yeah. just just pretend like you're taking a picture it'll make me feel better no <laughs> Yeah, no. you can scan that to to get on the the mailing list, yeah, right? That's right. That'll yeah. that'll put you on our email or, or, mailing list. Or you can talk with us afterwards, and yeah, we can right. help you know how. Yeah. And for us, we have a, a place at a table out in the common cafe. Cafe. What do you call it? <laughs> Each church has their own lingo that they use. So uh, you can pick up one of these. This is our family photo that we just got done this spring. <laughs> professional photographer and on the other side we also have a qr code because that's the cool thing to do no cap um if you want to join in you can sign up for what we're doing and find out more information about what we're doing uh also just because we can and we're missionaries and normally i say don't be uncomfortable with your wallets but <laughs> you might have to be for a little bit we actually so we came back here for a year we've handed the church over but one of the projects that we're working on right now is we're acquiring land to build a building in Zacatecas uh, with the church that we've left there. Because um, been, they've been renting all this time. We've right? been renting all this time, yes. So for that to continue, uh, for that team, we felt God calling us to partner with them. Um, so the church is coming up with some of the costs, but we are also coming up with some of the costs. On our end of it, we kind of took a loan against ourselves. We just played bank, and we've paid for it but we are lacking four thousand five hundred dollars so um if anyone would be interested in giving to that project that would be so grateful so that anna and i can sleep at night soundly and not worry about that <laughs> yeah um i think you guys know how to get a hold of me but anyway i'll be here next week so anyway. right um well, actually uh but my the the website that where everything is centered at is lambchow.com um, all the articles we've ever done and the Bible studies that are downloadable are there uh, on the website. We don't, everything's free. You don't just grab whatever you want. Um, on the back table, I did bring, we printed up some books at some different times. 
and I'm going to ask you please to take some home because I need the closet space. Um, so this is a, not this one, this is the one we do the most of. Uh, this is a printed version of it, but this is the one that most people get. And then we also have one on hope. And it's amazing how many people don't understand forgiveness and are learning it this way. And it's really cool. Um, if you want to see a picture of Dale pre-beard, uh, this is worth the price of admission. It's on the back of this one. And then there's a couple other books. Be- this is Betty's favorite because it's my short, short stories. Anyway, the rest of them are back there. And you know how to get a hold of me because I'm around. So, Yeah. Good. Uh, well, let me just kind of uh, wrap us up here. Uh, so, And just uh, to give you an FYI, if you think of something after you go home, Stephen and Anna actually will be here for the next couple of weeks. Uh, so you'll have another chance to connect with them. You guys are always welcome, but I don't think you're <laughs> planning on being here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Dale is, as far as I know. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Yep. And we're, we're grateful for that partnership for sure. So the last thing I just want to mention before we wrap up, um, you know, it's already sort of been mentioned, but we would love if you want to uh, partner with uh, supporting any of these particular projects or you just feel like that's the way the Lord's calling me to respond today is, is with a special gift. Um, we would love for you to do that. I know Chris mentioned earlier um, over and above our regular giving, if you want to make a special donation, when you go to vineyardpeoria.org slash give, you can just select multiplication. We have started a multiplication fund, and it's specifically a designated fund for missions, church planning, disciple making, um, just for us to, again, be intentional about how we steward our resources. And so if you came prepared and feel called to participate, we'd love for you to do that. Um, if you do it the old school way, you can just write multiplication on your envelope um, and we'll pool those resources um, and help support some of these things that they've shared. So uh, while the worship team go ahead and come up, I'm going to pray before we all go uh, sit down. Jesus, we just thank you um, for our partners and our friends who have shared with us today. And Jesus, I'm just overwhelmed with, with gratefulness for all the things that you've done, your kindness, your mercy, the ways that you've intersected our lives, and the, and the calls that you've given to each of us. May we never underestimate, Jesus, uh, the things that in our eyes seem small, but when we're saying yes to you, it, it, it's actually really big. Whether it, whether it turns into you know, full-time vocational ministry or if it's something as, as simple as uh, sharing an encouraging word with your barista on a Monday morning. We just want to say yes to you. And so thank you for the ways that you're stirring us up towards uh, love and, and all your good gifts. We just bless your name and we bless our friends here that are with us today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thanks, guys.